of IMSA's Spirit of the Race Award at the 2015 Salem Six Hours at the Glen. Yes, we are. Absolutely. I am Nick. I'm joined by Tristan the Irish Viking. Hello. And Andrew, the man who hates everything. I'm excited to be here on the pink mic. I don't hate the pink mic. It's beautiful. So it's... He doesn't hate entirely everything. That's right. Close to everything. Things that are pink, he's okay with most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. So, if you're listening, we want to... Um, take you through a little bit. This is the first episode we want to take you through um, when you tune in. Thank you. And what are you going to be listening to here? Um, what we are. Well, we should probably start, I think, with what we are not. Um, we are not automotive journalists. Um, we do not write for magazines. We do not report for websites. Um, we do not work for a certain car company or a certain race team. We are not in the industry at all. We are just simply fans of cars, fans of racing, fans of motorsports is just something we're passionate about and all of the conversations that you're going to hear us having um, we've already had them at tracks in bars in our living rooms in underwater tents at car shows on road trips and we simply want you to join in these conversations and be a part of it with us um, you can find us on social like us share us comment um, and let us know what you think of these things. Um, you guys ready to kick this off? Absolutely. So ready. So ready. Um, we'll kick it off with uh, a section we like to call the pace laps. Just a quick touch on um, news of the day um, or of the time period here. And the first one I want to talk about, or the only one I think I want to hit tonight, um, involves the president of Ford North America, um, Raj Nair, um, was pretty sacrilegious or sacrimoniously fired. Um, ousted. ousted. He was, he was ousted. ousted. He was ousted. He was sacked, um, basically at the drop of a hat, over what the company is um, describing as, quote, inappropriate behavior. Um, they're not going into what that behavior was at this time, but given the climate right now, we can... I know where my mind goes first. I don't know what you guys think yeah, about that's, that. But. Yeah, that's something that I'm sure somebody else is podcasting at this point, but kind of know where that's going at this point so we can we can make our assumptions and move on to implications it's of, good that it, he's gone i uh, mean that's yeah. yes it's, it's good, good that, yes if, if yes. what we think it is or what that, we're assuming I mean, it is it's yeah. never safe to assume but any it's that any type of inappropriate behavior should not be rewarded um, um but implications of the ouster i think are something that is a little bit more in our wheelhouse for a fan podcast about things that go fast most of the fast. time. Um, he was replaced um, pretty quickly by the chief marketing officer slash head of the Lincoln brand. Um, mm -hmm. And they were... <laughs> what was that over there? I, I No, go ahead. Keep going. I, that's uh, a surprising move, I think. But we'll talk about it. Keep going. Yeah. Um, and the, reason, the rationale behind that was because the, the board was impressed with the resurgence of the Lincoln brand. I, I, I don't know what that means. I don't mean... Like, I have definitely seen Lincolns. I saw them at the auto show. I saw one on the road. It was probably the same one that I saw on the road. It was black. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. Definitely. Black Lincoln. Well, blank, the one black Lincoln in our area. Absolutely. Yeah. He was. So they were impressed with 
the visibility of that black Lincoln, maybe. Um, I, I don't know what that does. Is it does that mean they were like the number nine brand in the country and they went to eight? Like, what does the resurgence of Lincoln mean? I really couldn't tell you. Maybe YouTube views. Or how about this? They nailed Matthew McConaughey for commercials. That that you know what? That's exactly what I was gonna say. Well, I mean, <laughs> when you look at you know things like motorsport, it's about talent development. I mean, he can draw in big names like Matthew McConaughey. I mean, you know, maybe he can wrangle in some big drivers. Maybe they're going to rebrand the GT40 as a Lincoln. Oh man, that would be terrible. That would be awful. That'd be so a horrible bad. idea. So Ford, if you're listening, but, don't take my ideas. But that was the question I had of this um, about this topic that I wanted to bring up to you guys. Um, Raj Nair was the guy who spearheaded Ford's return to endurance racing with the Ford GT program. Um, you see it all the time as companies get new leadership. The vision and the direction of these companies change. What does this mean for this Ford GT program? Is it even going to be around in a couple of years? Do you think, I mean, what, what are you guys' thoughts? I, mean, I think you see a change in, you know, the attitude or kind of the, the focus of a company, but I think, especially in motorsport, you don't see changes in leadership scrap relatively successful programs overnight. I mean, I think there's going to be a certain amount of wait and see on this. I think we're, we've got we've got the Ford GT that was, what, two years it was a two-year commitment, and I think they just re-upped for another two. Yeah, so we're, forward, we're, so we're I think they're in through at least 2019. So we're through two years on a relatively unchanged platform for that the Ford GT that's seen some pretty good success. So I think that, you know, as an advertising tool, without tremendous amounts of investment, you're going to get tweaks and stuff like that to, to the, the vehicle. Mm -hmm. but I don't think you're going to have to see... A major redo of it from the ground up or start racing an entirely different type of vehicle i think we'd be pretty safe in seeing the gt for at least another couple years but i mean obviously contract stuff will, will force their hand in a certain way but i think you're gonna see it if it's popular it's immensely popular you look at it at the auto show you look at it on the paddock at races it's it's mobbed every single time and i think gorgeous car and there's there's nothing that can equate to that for advertising, at right. least. I think it goes away. I think, would say, 2019, so it'd be like the 1920 racing season. So, like, at the after Petit Le Mans in October of 2019 would be the, like, be the end. go or no-go yeah. yeah, So, it's not gonna, so you're saying we're not going to see it I in think 2020. It, I think it goes away. I think it goes away in 2019 because the GT40 or Ford GT, whatever we want to call it, while that is a car that Ford brings out now and then and you know, gets everyone all excited and, oh, we're releasing a new GT and it's this and it's that fastest car in the world or, you know, it's a track monster, they're never around for long. They're always here and then they're gone. So how, how far into that cycle are we now? And it could just be one of those things of convenience where 2019's over, the GT's been around. Yes, it's been very popular, but if you... Take it away, then, when you bring it back again in 2024. Oh, we got a brand new GT. It's all electric or whatever it is. Then it, you know, keeps that mystique. Sort of tailing it off a little bit. And I think that it's hard for any brand to mimic what Chevy and GM have in the Corvette. And I definitely don't think 
that the GT has that same continuous mystique where it's always there. It's every year. So I, I definitely think it's going to go away. I, I agree. And the reason, just to add on to what you were saying, if the, the, the idea behind this GT here, if you remember, was they wanted it ready by 2016 because that was the 50th anniversary of the Ferrari killer. That's right. They, they wanted to, they number the cars, 66, 67, 68, 69. Those are the four years in a row they won them up. This was, essentially it was a marketing play. It was 50th anniversary, we're going to come out with a new car, and it just so happens that they won on their 50th anniversary. It was, it was only a two-year commitment originally. I think the fact that the balance of performance have been in their favor as right. they've gone along. I mean, they've gotten a lot of concessions. <laughs> yeah, concessions <laughs> and regarding they, development. You know, they were right. able to develop and run the car right. before pretty, even producing a road-going version, homologating a road-going version. They, kinda, yeah. they got a lot of special favors to make this happen. It was, a, it was a lot of marketing scheme, just as much as it was a car-building and racing project. And highly successful. High, and I think the reason they re-up for a couple more years is because I... I believe the success even surprised them a little bit. I can see that. Um, so they want to keep that, we're riding this wave and want to keep that momentum rolling. Um, I think we're seeing two, I mean, I don't think that's anything that we're saying doesn't contradict each other. I don't think it overlaps entirely, but you know, I'm, I'm saying I think we're going to you know, see it at least through the end of its contract because why not ride the advertising wave that is the GT at least through as long as they've committed, and it's very popular. Um, but I don't disagree that I think you could see it, you know, right off into the sunset to maybe return again in the future. That that mystery is definitely something that can the, keep keep people watching. Continues. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Part the, of this The is... Ford GT will return in um, at the end of the movie. Like James um, Bond, yeah. yeah. Just like James Bond, um, yeah. But, uh, so, given that, assuming that we can see the you know, sunset of the Ford GT. Do you think that any of that... Because I, mean, I think when you look at Ford, you've got pretty popular, you know, work that they're doing in NASCAR and formula stuff in Europe, things like that, but you don't really think of a lot of, you know, Ford products in my particular favorite type of racing sports car, endurance racing, things like that. Do you think, do you think we're going to see them potentially offload that to the newer Mustang platforms. I mean, I think we've, I, I think since we started going years ago, you're starting to see, you know, the Multimatic guys, things like that, popping up in places that they hadn't before. Are we going to see that motorsports marketing push back into sports cars again? I, I think there's, there's going to be, just because the GT3 and GT4 platforms are um, so popular right now, I think they might focus a lot of the dollars that way. And, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they, weren't they talking about a focus in the TCR category as well? I think you're right. Actually, just just for people like me who don't necessarily know about racing, so we're talking sports car in America, we're talking about Pirelli World Championship, we're talking about the IMSA Series and, and Continental. Um, tire Sport. Yeah, Continental, Continental Tire. tire. And, uh, and the TCR class would be where the new Ford, was it Focus Ford. or Fiesta? That was going to be in that it class. It definitely started with an F. Yeah, that it did. Okay. <laughs> it was probably... It was Comment probably. and share, folks. Let us know if you know the answer. <laughs> like I said, we're definitely not journalists or professionals. Uh, I think that... Well, is the Multimatic a, a Ford-sponsored team? 
they're essentially yeah that Ford dubbed them to run some of their factory programs because they just brought out the uh, last year the Mustang, the Mustang GT4 whatever with the race package one and Multimatic also runs the GT pro, the Ford GT program in Europe that runs the World Endurance Championship. Gotcha. Chip Ganassi runs it in the in the United States, States for IMSA, mm-hmm. but Multimatic runs it overseas. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, they're they've been partnered with Ford for a long time. I think they could. You know, uh, one thing that I think ties into that and I while I don't necessarily know how long um Raj was a CEO I would wonder because I've been reading a lot about you know sales of uh Ford's cars declining and they're kind of sitting there going why aren't our cars selling when you look at the Fiesta and you look at the Focus and look at everything in their lineup they're all 10 years old at this point they look you know they they were great cars when they were around they look 10 years old but they really do especially <laughs> in the interiors and it's kind of like they're all standing around going what are we supposed to do none our cars aren't selling well of course they aren't they're they're old and everyone knows so i'm wondering if that could couple with them introducing a new line of those smaller cars uh you know bringing a new fiesta into Pirelli or into wherever they want to, you know, kind of market. I'd be interested to see if that happens because they need new cars. Let's not forget they also have the focuses in Rally and Rally Cross too, so Mm -hmm. they're not just focusing on road racing when they're outside of NASCAR. That's Um, true. And that's actually the more popular form of motorsport with the younger fan base. So, um, well, it it, it remains to be seen. Um, Folks, let us know what you think, what's going to happen to the GT, your thoughts, your opinions on this Ford story. Um, I think it's time to get into kind of the meat and potatoes of what, what this episode is going to be about. Yeah. Uh, and, folks, it's only fitting, first episode in a car podcast, guys, it's got to be about your first car, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's got to be about car. your first car. Oh, love it. Not only our first cars, but, like, w- the whole idea of what makes a first car special to society, right? Like, I, you, you can't run across a single person who doesn't remember their first car. Absolutely. The stories about it, how much of a pile of crap it was. That thing where you're driving at night in your brand new car and you're like, oh, man. I I'm miss a, that piece of shit. I'm a, yeah, I'm a ba- I was a badass <laughs> In my 97 Tahoe. Was that your first car? That was my first car. Oh, boy. Let's hear it. I, I, even I have uh, fond memories of the, the 97 Tahoe. Everybody has fond memories of the 97 Tahoe. Who knew me back then? Andrew, we met I, a bit Yeah, not, not me. Uh, not you. You missed out, man. I guess. Um, Let's, let, tell me. I want to um, hear it. Okay, so a red 97 Chevy Tahoe. Big-ass V8 in there. <laughs> like... Two miles per gallon. <laughs> <laughs> he had to be standing still to reach, you know, any sort any of double-digit fuel yeah, economy. Beautiful. <laughs> Just idle, like, waiting for a train to pass. You might hit 10 miles per gallon. Um, it, and it didn't have the, the door that opened, like, bottom-up. It was a barn door in the oh, back. Oh, no. It, it, was, it was the one that opened, like, an actual door. I, I was having a little trouble thinking of the body style, but now that you've said that, I know exactly, exactly. what car you yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> that thing was awesome. Um... I, uh, it's still around, it's actually still in our family, too. Oh, no. Um, we have cousins, um, in another state who have kids, um, you know, younger than I was, so when they got to be driving age, we sent it down there, and every time I see them, and it's not often they're in another state, we see them a couple times a year, they always make sure to tell me, hey, Big Red is still running. Big Red's still Big running. Big Red is still running. <laughs> um, I raced, I raced a Mustang with the 
What what generation of Mustang? I need details. <laughs> oh, um, what generation? It was a one of those Fox bodies. It was like an early '90s. Okay. Mustang. Yeah. If you so just know. just post Fox. Yeah, Fox. just just after. Um, and it was a good buddy of mine in high school. Um, he saved up his money and he he, it was actually a very very nice Mustang. Um, and he took care of it like, like anytime like he'd drive to school in it, drive home, and then. Wash it and wax it, and then the next day he do the same thing. Was like, that his first car? We might have to ask him, but I think it might have been See, actually still um, on topic. It's not bad, yeah. It's it's still on topic. Way to go, Tristan. Um, so, but we were at another friend's house who lived on a cul-de-sac, and um, I was kind of ribbing. Um, my friend a little bit because of the facts, and rightfully so. But he was—he just babies his car. He just babies this car, and um, we eventually decided on all right. You're gonna talk all this shit. Let's go out and race right now. <laughs> and I'm like, as you do when oh, you're yeah. in high school. <laughs> when you're, you're indestructible. In <laughs> By the way, never street race. It's a horrible. Do not ever street race. It's so dangerous. Yeah, you will definitely this die. Was, this was a really dumb idea, everybody. It seriously was, because not only was it a street race, but it was through a neighborhood. Oh, oh, so, oh. This is the kind of things that they show you about in driver's ed videos. Yeah. Yes. And Children then you're like, that's a really good car. idea. That's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. ever, don't, it's no. not a good idea. So, anyways. Well, yeah, we, we lined up in his cul-de-sac. Um, oh. Sorry, just chills. Just chills. <laughs> and we had the buddy whose house it was, was like, the Need for Speed or um, Fast and the Furious girl with like the rag. He tied his shirt up. He didn't tie his shirt oh, up. Thank missed God. Thank it's God fine. he didn't tie his shirt up. But he had the rag and he dropped it and we just we we essentially we did a lap around his subdivision and I knew because it was who he was driving the car he was driving he was gonna baby the hell out of it so I just I went for it man <laughs> I just gunned it. Oh no. I mean I was running wide on corners where it was like a close call to my my driver's side mirror and mailboxes uh, <laughs> and yeah made it around and regardless of the circumstance and who was driving i beat a mustang in a 97 chevy tahoe in a race this is why as we i'm sure we will expand upon later he is the only one with any type of uh, racing history whatsoever that's really important actually um, uh, <laughs> important yeah. note uh, these are the kind of instincts given to the natural-born racing driver versus the rest of us. I'm going to race a Mustang in a 1997 Chevy Tahoe. Things and win handily. Yeah, and win and handily. I'm win. But, I didn't just but, say but, I was going to race them. You, right. I I yeah, exactly. Not only that, I'm going to win a race against a Mustang in a 1997 bright red Chevy Tahoe. That's right, bright red. Let's not forget. Um, I also took people parking lot surfing in it. Oh, oof. Because it was big enough. Throwback, yeah. Um, you know, especially, I, I worked at a local department store in high school, and, you know, we'd close up, and it'd be like 11 o'clock at night, and our cars were the only ones in the parking lot. And, you know, in winter up here where we're at, it gets pretty icy. So people would get on top, and I would do donuts. <laughs> <laughs> With my 97 Chevy Tahoe. Oh, man. <laughs> and, I mean, the... Big VA was barking away, and mm -hmm. do we have lawyers? No. Okay. We're, we're too. We're too. Okay. We're too low budget for that. For that right? yeah, yeah. We're gonna. So should I shut up? Should we get to somebody else's? No, stories? I think we're fine. As <laughs> there's something about a disclaimer, 
Don't try this at home. Yeah, don't do this. We'll put the jackass thing on the front of the podcast. I also am going to need to start looking up statues of uh, statues of limitations for Nick. Apparently, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think I'm in the clear. It's been a while. As he's doing GTA around uh, the Greater Lake Country area, <laughs> we will find out if uh, anybody listens to this podcast and they are in law enforcement. That's right. So um, comment. I'm, yeah, please, comment. please, <laughs> please comment and share your thoughts. Um, that was. That was my first car. Never going to forget it. Tristan, I think you should go next because mine's like a little bit of a subtle flex and I don't want anyone to feel bad, but I should go last. A subtle so flex. Just a little just a little bit. So you're automatically assuming that yours is the best. Well, here's the thing. I- I'll give you a little preview. My first car, fiberglass body, GM product, manual transmission. That's all I'll say for now. Two-door. It's fine. You can, you can go next. It's going to be a cobalt. <laughs> I know. I happen to know what this is. I won't spoil anything for you. It's a little bit of a flex. It's fine. You can feel a little. Imagine, imagine what he's talking for anybody who is a car person. Remember, fiberglass body, manual transmission, GM product. First thing that comes to mind. We'll see what you think. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that. It's in a minute. fine. It was so, the first so, car. All right, Andrew's going last. Tristan versus mine, which. We had, already we, getting complicated. We, we had we some, we had some this. questions about this pre, pre-podcast. So we're talking about first cars. And I, I of course, ask, being, being lucky, being provided with cars, um, I was never tasked with purchasing my own. I was not allowed to because I would buy something like a 1997 Tahoe or a fiberglass GM product, um, which <laughs> my, my mother would immediately take away from me because she's sure I would kill myself with it. Um, so... Initially, my family, when I got my driver's license, we had three drivers and two cars, and, you know, there was no separate car just for me, so I ended up driving their cars. You know, she was sure I would kill myself in a 97 Tahoe or a fiberglass GM product. Meanwhile, she was not sure I would kill myself in a 4.2 liter V8 Audi A6 sedan that could easily go probably 200 miles an hour if you took the governor off of it. So, you know, that was was my father's car. Tell me again Um, why Andrew's going last. Right? (laughs) So, yeah, talking about a little bit of a flex, right? Um, But, so that was, that was the one option. That was my father's car. That was his, his reward for being a stay-at-home parent. He used to joke he would get paid in large German sedans. On the color Um, that, that green on there. Deep green. Oh, Deep forest green. And it was an Audi A6 with... Um, because of the V8 in the front, which was not standard at all on, on that and several other model years for it, actually had the, the most of the front end was actually A8 front end. So it was a lot of aluminum, a lot more space to get that V8 in there, basically an, an Audi A8 front end and a big, wide butt yeah, on, it was, an, on an Audi it was A6. Thick. It was T-H-I-C-C um, before that word was ever around. It was a thick car. It, it set that definition before anybody knew that's what Absolutely. it was called. Um, and so that's all you could tell. It always had this kind of crouch and a big back end and a little bit longer and wider front end because it was an A8 front end. So that car was magnificent. Um, oh, yeah. Again, speaking about things that shouldn't be done, um, it was my go-to uh car to surprise the absolute bejesus out of people in Mustangs and Camaros and, you know... Or the Fast or, and the Furious yeah, kids. Say, <laughs> we, 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 grew up, we grew up, we were starting to drive when Fast and the Furious was huge, so some guy in a Honda Civic with way too much exhaust um, um, was kind of the, the prime target you can for, call it a fart can. for, for people. I, mean, I think it's way too much exhaust. Well, plus five um, horsepower, though. That's also the stripes are two, right? Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah one um, for each. Yeah. One for each um, stripe. So... 
but that was the, 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 the primary prey of somebody in a 4.2 liter V8 Audi A6. Especially if you start adding wet pavement, snow, it's an all-wheel drive car, and it was just a blast to drive. You could do, you know, four-wheel donuts on it in the parking lot. Um, you could do, you know, things that are unimaginably fast um, and don't feel fast because the car is designed to go Audubon speeds, things like that. And let it be known that Tristan grew up in a spot that was so fun to drive in. You had to drive through a state forest to get to his house. Yes. So two-lane, windy roads... For something like an Audi, like that, it's, it's just bliss. And I'm sure we'll cover this again in a future podcast, but for anybody who is a racing fan that's familiar with Elkhart Lake, that's not where I live, but that's what I live in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, the, that terrain, that Kettle Moraine terrain is the exact kind of thing that you drive through to get to my house. It was, it was magnificent. The, the other option... Now, um, that's not the car, that's not the car yeah, I know is your first car. You're right. The other option was an A4 sedan, and there were... Two of those and an A4 station wagon in my life at one point or another. Um, but the other first car that I had access to was my mom's uh, 1.8 liter uh, turbocharged A4. And in my mind, that was never my mother's car. That was a rally car. From the <laughs> second I saw that car, that was a rally car. That one was find a gravel road, you know, find the snow. And it's, it's, it's small, it's light, it's all-wheel drive. And it was a blast to drive. And but both of them were, you know, kid tested, mother approved, um, because they had all wheel drive. Safe. And you know, they, it was very safe. And I mean, they were. I mean, if, if I had ever overstepped my bounds of, you know, a, a high school kid with way too much car, I would have been safe. Luckily, I was raised right. Thanks, Dad. Shout out there. Um, and and was taught how to drive. And I've never gotten myself in trouble with that kind of thing. But the. Uh, the Pride and Joy, the first car that was strictly mine. I had the keys to it. I could take it whenever I wanted. Another A4 sedan, the 2.8 liter V6 version. That's right. Oof. Mm-hmm. No, I forgot about no, that. Yep. yep. So not it, for sticking with the Fast and the Furious you know, idea. Not as tunable. Couldn't just crank up the boost and put out a bunch more horsepower. But, or you add know, a couple stickers. Yep, but no, uh, no, no turbo lag. You know, just much more torque than the, my mom's uh, four-cylinder one. Uh, it was it was you know my my first car, as Nick said. No, everybody remembers their first car. It's my pride and joy. It met an untimely end. I was just going to ask what happened to your car. And it wasn't my fault. <laughs> According to the insurance company, it was not my sister's fault either. Um, she was driving it at the time. It was piled into by the uh, Wisconsin State Animal. Is it the Wisconsin State Animal? It definitely yeah, should absolutely. definitely should be. Um, the, your the, sister got hit by a badger. <laughs> no, no, a white a white tailed deer. No, the real one. Oh, the, the real, real one, the, the not real the one. Animal? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The real estate animal sells you <laughs> sells you houses. Nice. Um, but uh, no, it was plowed into by an entire herd of deer, and there was a lot more that happened during that thing, the whole process. But untimely end when she set off every single airbag in the car oh. thus totaling it right um but i so i kind of but you should see the deer i drove a, a whole fleet of audi sedans for my first cars and i consider myself incredibly lucky it was something that i can kind of strive to attain for the whole rest of my life and may never get there um, <laughs> so it's something that who knows maybe this podcast gets yeah, really really could, successful could, could, could be huge um, hashtag fund my Audi. Right. Oh my God. Hashtag fund my Audi. Yeah. Perfect. But so, yeah, that was my first car. First, those were my first cars. 
Um, you know, you can debate, you know, what qualifies as a first car, which the first ones you drove a lot, first ones you had the keys to, things like that. But no, sir, that was mine. Nice. Nice. Andrew. Here comes, you, you, you just you teased us. You gotta let, the, let's let it breathe for a second. We need the It's not wine, it's a car. You're just determined not to be cool about this. Alright. So we zero, had the teaser. Yeah. We had the teaser trailer. Zero zero chill, guys. Okay. <laughs> Alright, fine. Here here's here's what it was. I'll give you a little more of a teaser. So we've already no, established uh... fiberglass, two-door GM product, manual transmission in the middle, pop-up headlights. You all already know that it's a Saturn SC1. <laughs> That's right, the Saturn SC1. For those of you thinking Corvette, remember... Well, don't remember anything. That is a Corvette, actually, at the time. It was basically just a rebodied uh, That's true, Saturn actually. SC, right? Is and, that, you know, uh, they've never made a better car, or a more important one. And for those of you who don't remember Saturn... They're not around anymore. They, they they were the brand where you could just walk in and, and pretend that the price on the sticker was like a good price for the car. And those never work out. But anyways. Yeah, see uh, Scion. Yeah, right, exactly. Yes, Saturn was the General Motors Scion. Yep, absolutely. Go. Good analogy. But we need to talk about the SC because it was perfect. Why? Show your work, Tully. Absolutely. Here's, here's, a here's, blue book. here's what it is. Uh, it was $500. I bought it myself. And, of course, you know, having the manual transmission, I think you have to have that in a first car, in my opinion, because you, you that's a skill you need. And, well, I'm, it's, it's important to me. I think it makes, you know, driving... As a driver myself, yes, I agree, but I don't think it's a skill everybody needs. I, I do, I do. Hi, the mayor of Hypocriteville here. Um, I think it's tremendously important. Also, I don't know how to do it. That's so, right. So, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. So, this car, for those of you who don't know the Saturn SC, it's tiny. I drove past one in the parking lot the other day just by, you know, I hadn't seen one in forever. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> it's the smallest car ever made. And fiberglass, you know, it's... A, it's a, Almost a two plus two because the back seats were so small and the middle one was so narrow. I remember uh, I was in jazz band at the time and I played Barry Sachs. The car is so narrow, you cannot fit a Barry Sachs case, which is about four feet long, in the trunk. I had to put down my back seats and slide it through the car like to get it golf in there. Clubs. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's the tiniest thing. And you you know you guys can talk all you want about doing donuts in the snow. That car was so light I could do it in the rain. With new tires. It weighed eight pounds. And, um, Her weight, eight pounds? Oh, yeah. It was, you know, it's that, that, that sweet, famous Saturn 1.9 liter engine. Famous? To who? Every, everyone? No? No. Oh, well, okay. Sure, sure. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll say famous. It is now. Every, <laughs> That's everyone's going to listen to this podcast. Because there's we'll one more know. person, at least, who knows about it. Exactly. That's right. Well, two of us. Now we know about it. That's right. Oh, that's, that cuts me. But anyway, okay. So here's here's a here's a here's a here's a genuine question. Um, do you remember the name of the color of your first car? Not so you know. You said it was red, but do you remember the name of the color? Oh. You no, know, I, I can't say. No, I can't say. It, it definitely had one. Every car Every company car has, has a it. It's probably like sunrise crimson or something. Do you remember what yours was? I remember two out of three. Okay, okay. I do good. not remember the green of my dad's car. I'm sure you talk about. That cut that cut you. I'm yeah. Sure, that that cuts him. Um, <laughs> however, uh, I, I remember Sorry, I remember my my mother's car uh, was Reflex Silver. Ooh, 
Reflex. Um, yep. And uh, my car was just one word, but how high class, how hot cuisine. <laughs> it was champagne. Oh, boy. Well, Otherwise known as metallic beige. <laughs> it, was, it was metallic beige, to be honest. Champagne. Yeah. But, well, here's the thing about this car. All of these, you know, companies go through, I'm sure, months of research to find the names for these colors. <laughs> the actual color of my car, the name of the color, was red. <laughs> the after, paint code was red. After hours of research. I'll say they paid somebody a lot of money to come up with that. <laughs> hours of research. The person naming your car's color finally found a dictionary yes. and went, hey, that's, that's red. red. That's red. <laughs> that's like the guy who wrote the Hot Pocket jingle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it, the first car, it's, it's everything to a kid of that age. I remember the first time I ever drove that car. I bought it before I could legally drive it. I bought it right at like 15 in a month. How'd you get it home? My dad drove it home. Oh, good, good. Again, thanks, Dad. Yeah, thanks, Dad. And so it sat in our driveway for six months until I was 15 and a half. I could get behind the wheel. My dad and I went out. It was a wintry night in December. And I crashed into a snowbank at no miles an hour because the road was slightly icy. And you just couldn't stop that car. You would have to get out and stand in the front of it to stop it. So because just, it was only eight pounds. Exactly. We're just <laughs> right. sliding. The slowest accident ever. I think it took four minutes from the time I realized we were going to crash until we actually did. And then you just go <laughs> thunk into the snow. For anybody who's not from a snowy state, snow driving is a balance between not enough weight and too much weight. Enough weight will push your tires down through the snow to the asphalt or the concrete. Mm -hmm. and you'll be able to stop and turn. Too much you will just continue to slide. You've got too much momentum and not yep. enough. You won't dig down through the snow. An eight-pound car, yep. you said? An eight-pound yep. car, that's not enough weight. It was not. No, no. So that was that was the only accident I ever had, and that's the first time I ever drove it. And uh, then I was, you know, obviously terrified to drive it until uh, <laughs> the snow had cleared off the roads. But I, I, want, I want you to share your uh, experience of learning to drive stick. I, how, how easy was it? How did it go? I was 12 years old. Oh, really? When the, first time I, the first time I drove a stick, I was 12. I remember I had gone with my dad to church. Again, cops, please comment if you're listening. Yeah, definitely. Is this legal? But no, we were in the church parking lot. Um, for some reason, uh, we had stayed. I think it was like CCD weekend or whatever. So we had stayed, and um, there weren't that many people in the parking lot. They were all clearing out. And he's like, hey, you want to drive the car? And I was like, oh, my God, yeah, you know, drive the car. Because you're a kid, and it's exciting. It's all you want to do as a, as, a, as, a, as a small child. So I remember, the, you know, the seats crammed all the way up to the front. And um, the, his car at the time was a pink. And, you, Dad, you just, it was pink. It's okay that it was pink. Ford like Escort. Right, exactly. It, you know what? That's why That's Andrew funny. likes the microphone. It was this exact color. I, I'm not, I shit you not. It was we that will, exact color. We will post a picture of our microphone um, at some point. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a pink Ford Escort with a manual transmission. And I remember him sitting next to me explaining what you need to do. Did that come with a Barbie doll? Oh, uh, uh, dad did it. My I don't dad, think dad's going to He can't hear you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Live. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing him explain what you need to do and how you need to manipulate the clutch and the gas. And um, I know that I got it eventually. I don't remember what it was like driving it the first time, other than the fact that obviously I killed it a bunch. 
And um, so that was when I was young and then I really never drove stick again until I got that car. But that's muscle memory that really doesn't go away. Once you know what you're doing, I, I remember with that Saturn, I didn't kill it until like a year after I had initially gotten it. I remember I was driving to school one morning and just killed it in a left turn lane. You know, that thing where you're not really paying attention and you just yank your foot off the clutch and it dies. Happens to the best of us. So, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily struggle with learning manual on the Saturn, but I, I do remember very clearly learning how to drive stick. Something you don't forget because you feel like a total idiot, especially because you're with someone who's done it. And they you they know, do know how. You know they got you there. <laughs> you watched them do it, and uh, it's uh, then you just yeah you just, you feel like such a loser. Also because they laugh, like it's really funny when people kill their car, and you can't help but laugh. And you know it's not helpful. It's not helpful. At all. No. High <laughs> pressure situation, Nick. I remember you telling me the story of one of them. Uh, some of your earliest uh, stick driving uh, experiences was in another uh, General Motors product. Yes. Uh, the one most of you were probably we're thinking, thinking about. of when Andrew was describing um, his first car. Um, my, my first um, stick shift experience was in a 1963 Chevrolet Corvette Stingway, Stingray split window. Um, my dad had bought it man, way before he even met my mom. Like he went halvesies in it with his, with his dad and my grandpa. Um, just kept it. Who knew the value of it was going to get where it did? Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I learned to drive stick in a hotel parking lot on a fifty year old clutch. <laughs> <laughs> so do those? I mean, does that um, make it? obviously more sudden and a little rougher in the actual transmission, but... It is had it... eight miles of play, and it did all its work in the final two centimeters. Of course, of course. <laughs> but is it as hard to kill the old ones as it is to kill the new ones? Because really, with a newer Corvette, you can pretty it's... much just yank your foot off the clutch, and it probably won't die. Cl clutches now are... I mean, yes, if it's your first time... Um... Clutches are in the modern day cars. I think are a little more idiot proof. Well, yeah, because they've got anti stall. Anti stall, and right? Other stuff. Yeah. There was none of that in the '63. <laughs> like it was all your left foot in those last two centimeters that driver, you had to get dialed in. Driver aids are entirely turned off. Yeah, there are no driver aids. Sure. There, driver aids. What are those in the '60s? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it a bigger me. steering wheel. So the steering wheel, by the way, the steering wheel on that thing was huge. <laughs> it was like they, they just like bolted a basketball hoop out oh, <laughs> the steering column. And it a was, kid trying to drive with that like, in the it was, it was like a bus. That's funny. Um, it, was, it was a great experience. Um, well, not at the time it wasn't, but looking back on it now, it was, it was really fun. And then I remember when I finally got, <laughs> when I finally got it, like in the parking lot, my dad made the unfortunate decision to let me go out on the road with it. Oh boy! And um, at a um, and there's a stoplight near where I grew up, and it's on an overpass, or at the beginning of an overpass, and there's a slight hill. Oh! And so we stop, and you know I got the clutch in, and you know he said, okay, now because you're on an incline, this thing is going to want to roll backwards, so you're going to need to keep your foot in the brake longer, and you're going to need to rev it up a little bit. And I was so, I was in traffic now. I wasn't in the safety of a parking lot. Oh, jeez. I was so scared of killing it in public that when I saw the lights starting to change, 
I looked, I sounded like a drag racer before the tree went out. <laughs> like, I just nailed, I pinned it. I, I absolutely pinned it. And when the light turned green, I just dumped the clutch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anybody who's a Corvette fan, shield your ears. Uh, I'm that sorry, poor, guys. That poor I'm clutch. So, I'm so sorry. Um, and it, was, and it, it launched into a burnout where I had to actually correct the steering like the torque was pulling the rear end around. And um, I saved it, and I kept it straight. And then I looked in the rearview mirror. The car directly behind me was a police officer. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. And I think maybe the, the, the officer, whoever you are, thank you. Um, I think he looked in and saw my dad doubled over laughing and realized <laughs> it, was a, it was a kid just learning. Realized that your father was actually... Practicing a joke upon you. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> We're gonna teach this kid in a fifty-year-old clutch, see how he does. But yeah, that. Um, but it's been easier ever since. Um, I actually tried it on a new Corvette, and one time I wasn't paying it, or newer, not a brand new. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't paying attention at some point, and I actually instead of putting it into first of the stoplight, I put it into third, and there was so much torque, it just it, like I didn't even notice. Wasn't bothered. Where way we go? So um, way easier now on today's cars. Yeah, um, I mean that's my only experiences on today's cars. I I don't really know how to drive one. I know how to move a car with a manual transmission, but that's about it. Hold the clutch um, and hold the gravity. Yep. Uh, and no, you ride yeah. a motorcycle too. So yeah, I mean you, you as know as the a, concept. Yeah, I mean I know the concept. You get a little bit of you know, charity from a motorcycle because that's a submerged clutch mm -hmm. that's covered in oil. You really can't burn them out. Um, I'm sure you could if you tried, but it's very, very hard. Um, but I did a one to two to three gear change and then up and down between two and three around an autocross course um, when I was doing some uh, kind of defensive, you know, driving courses um, that were all Audi-sponsored. You might be sensing a theme here. Mm. Um and then my roommate's Ford Focus was definitely something that uh, we uh, were kind of fighting to make sure it was the right place on the block to stop the Milwaukee police from towing it or ticketing it. And whenever he'd be gone for too long, I'd have to move his car. And that was only into first. Right. Well, first and then back down again. And then, <laughs> you know, maybe you kill it when you park, but hey, you're parking, so who cares? So nothing, nothing doing for me. So we've talked about our first cars and for sure everybody what made your first car special what were some crazy stories what did it look like what did it run like how did it die if it died um, be sure to comment um, on our social pages and everything um, what about because everybody remembers their first car right I already said that so mm -hmm. what about the idea of this first car in society what makes what makes it so romantic what makes it so special that's freedom yes yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's a pretty universal. Yeah, but it's the most absolute form of freedom where even though uh, y you can, it's that thing where you used to say, oh, I'll just run away, you know. And you could run away as far as you could walk in about an hour or so before you got tired. Exactly. When you were, when you were a kid. When you packed your teddy bear in your suitcase and yeah. left. Yeah and, a, yeah, and a thing of Oreos, yeah. That's right. Absolutely. But then suddenly the you, you reach this magical age and it, and it is very special when suddenly you have the ability to access... The whole world. Mm. I'm driving from my house to Prudhoe Bay, Alaska, and I'm running away. You'll never find me. Right. You know, that's only possible with a car. <laughs> or, right. you know, a pilot. But Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was thinking a lot about this, and um, I, re I remember when I got the keys 
to the Tahoe after my dad made sure I had a job first so I could buy the oil tanker full of gasoline that the thing needed. Mm -hmm. um, I distinctly remember that was the time in my life when I stopped asking my parents if I could go places. Yep. It wasn't, hey, can I go to Tristan's house? Hey, can I go see a movie? It was, I'm going to Tristan's house. I'm going to see a movie. I'll be back later. And the thing was, there was no kickback. They're like, all right. <laughs> Here's something that's so wild about that. I mean, we all got our licenses around the time. Yes, there were cell phones. Yes, they were pretty popular. But did you have one when you had your car? Oh, no, I did not. I, I did not either. I, I don't think I did. I don't, yeah, I mean, it, I think I got one. It was pretty close. Yeah, maybe because like. my mom realized, like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to need to keep track of this we got to put a stop to that. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if you don't know why, folks, listen to the story I originally told about the Tahoe. <laughs> um, that is one danger, not, not a danger, I don't know how I want to put this, but, like, it's like your first step closer to, one step closer to growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, you, you freedom get, you and get, responsibility. For People who, let's face it, at that age are not going to be that responsible. Oh, God, no. Um, so there's a little bit of inherent danger there. But, yeah, I, I distinctly remember this. That was the age when now I stopped asking for permission for things. <laughs> yeah, it's that's the other thing. It's one of – it's a landmark where uh, other people definitively see that you are older. You are are not necessarily an adult, because you're still 16, but you have accomplished this and everybody knows it. No matter where you go, you have that little piece of plastic or you have the physical item, the car, that's yours. You did this. It's one of those, yeah, those major milestone life events where you can point to at this age, there was a change. Because like, you know, you, especially people who are around you a lot, that you don't notice that you're aging. It's like, okay, I'm 15 and a half, 16, whatever your state allows. Boom, I can drive now. There's a watershed moment there. There's, mm -hmm. you know, it's followed by 18 for a bunch of stuff, 21 for a bunch of stuff, 25 to rent a car without getting the money just pulled out of everywhere they can pull money. Right. Um, you know, that one's less important. But you can, there are many, <laughs> many life milestones, but this is kind of one of the first big ones that begins to identify you as a person, especially if you're not given a car, um, if, you, if you purchase a car. Um, if in the case that, you're, that you do purchase a car, then you're making that choice. When you're given a car, often that can then imprint on you for the rest of your life because much like you know, first love, first girlfriend, whatever, you're always going to remember that car. Mm -hmm. And you're almost always going to remember it fondly because it oh, was yeah. the first one. Ugh. So to this day, like I mentioned earlier, my life goal would be to get back in an Audi. But it's something that I still remember fondly. And the, what you just said about defining yourself as a person... Think about it right now, the car you're driving now. Mm -hmm. How close is it to your first car? I immensely. Immensely close. How close is it to your first car? Um, cl close enough. I mean, it, it, it's, it's... It might be a different brand, It's but... closest to the car that I ended up in after this whole series of Audis. Um, ended up in a wagon version of it, and that's where... It wasn't the first car, rose-colored glasses, love of my first car. It was the first one that, independent of that was the first car I really loved outside of my first car, and that's much like that one. So it's close enough. It's very, very similar. And, yeah. and I bet if you, you know, unless someone who is enormously wealthy and can just afford to buy whatever the hell he or she wants, if you ask around, I bet that is probably a common theme, that at some point they kind of revert back to what it was like in that first car. Mm -hmm. I, I'd be willing to, if I were a bigger betting man than I was, I might 
be willing to throw some money down on that if we were to do a survey. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting. I mean, my yeah, my cars. I went back to a manual transmission in my my newest car just because manual transmission two ish doors. Yeah, two two or so doors. Depending on who you ask. Um, it's just one of those things that you can't ever forget. I I mean, even if you hated your first car, and and my my wife hated her first car. Very rare. And, well, she, it was a Chevy Cobalt. Okay, so not so rare. Not so rare. Uh, and, I, you know, I think that, separately, that specific car would be a good topic for us to talk about, just because it's wild. Stay tuned, everybody. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, even even then, it did definitely shape what she thinks about cars, how she feels about them, and even if that thing is, I will never, ever buy a Chevy again, it still shaped what she thinks about cars. And, and that's, you know, that's forever. Right. Guys, uh, I think they're about to kick us out of the library. So we should be... Uh, <laughs> this is the library? We should I thought be, this was Hooters. <laughs> <laughs> we should be uh, wrapping this up. Um, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to like, follow us on Facebook, Check Engine Podcast. If you don't like us, that's fine. You might know somebody who does or who would, so please share us as well. Um, stay tuned for future episodes. We got the email. We got the email. Um, yes. Also, catch us at um, uh, check, check engine, engine podcast. podcast at gmail.com. Uh, for now, um, we'll see how this goes. We will get social media accounts, hopefully up as soon as possible before this post. If not before this post, hopefully soon after. Um, but we the email is live right now. So yeah, check engine podcast all one word at gmail.com. And again, tell us about your first car. Why was it special? And uh, we'll talk to you guys again very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Good night.